Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Frontline Health by CenturionLabs.com. This week, we're going to shine the light on prenatal infections because it's February and that means it's International Prenatal Infection Prevention Month. But before we jump into this important topic, I want to give the obligatory podcast shout out to remember to subscribe to the Frontline Health Podcast in order to get all of our current episodes. As I mentioned, it is International Prenatal Infection Prevention Month, and the motto for the month is Survive and Thrive. The goal for this month and every year in February is to be a time to help us raise awareness about the ways to prevent the transmission of infectious diseases from a mother to her baby. Data suggests that approximately 700,000 children less than one month of age die each year worldwide due to infectious diseases that they caught during pregnancy or at birth. That doesn't even include those who may have died during pregnancy itself. These prenatal infections can be the result of viruses, bacteria, parasites, and other microorganisms that have been known to cause death, birth defects, and lifelong disabilities such as hearing loss and learning problems. But what causes these prenatal infections? Here are a few that we know right now actually impact a pregnancy. Group B strep, bacterial vaginosis, cytomegalovirus, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HIV, HPV, listeria, toxoplasmosis, and Zika virus. But what do you do to see if you actually have that? And what type of things do you really need to look for to make sure that you don't have some kind of prenatal infection going on during your pregnancy? Well, the first thing is you want to make sure that you're keeping up with the movement of your child in your womb. So if there's decreased or no baby movement after about your 20th week, that could be a sign that some type of infection has uh, come into you and in your baby. If there's frenzied or panicked movement of your baby, that can also be a sign of viral infection. And while it may seem like a monumental task for you to kind of keep up with how your baby's moving, especially when you're busy and tired, there are certain apps that you can put uh, on your phone or on your computer that will monitor your baby's movement, which will allow you to notice any significant changes and contact your health provider if you need to. The final thing is if you experience an unexplained fever during pregnancy. Those three things are usually good signs that there may be some underlying condition during your pregnancy that you're going to want to check out. Now, once your baby is born, you should really monitor them from birth to about the first eight weeks for any changes that you may hear in, in the sounds that they're making, the breathing, uh, their skin appearance, eating or sleeping habits, uh, if they have increases or decreases in their temperature or behavior changes, if they have a runny nose, because all of these things may mean they have an infection of some sorts. And interestingly, if they have an underlying infection, that goes untreated, uh, that they've developed uh, oftentimes related conditions to that viral infection up to two years after that infection was 
that had taken place in their lives during pregnancy or just at birth. So these things can have up to two years later begin to start feeling the effects of those infections. And I, I do want to give a quick word of caution here. Please don't be crippled by fear because that anxiety can also be felt by your baby in the womb and even after birth, which can communicate um, certain things to them, whether they can communicate with you that could increase their stress levels and actually be damaging for their development as well. So really fight that urge to be fearful. Really take a few minutes to take some deep breaths and calmly assess the situation. Keep your bearings and then contact your doctor if you suspect anything is wrong and help that doctor uh, diagnose and treat your child. Because remember, it's supposed to be a partnership with your doctor and nobody knows your child as well as you do. Now, when you go and you start to relay this information, doctors will typically ask you about the symptoms that you or your child are experiencing. They may ask about any family history that you've had, uh, if you've had exposure to anyone who might be infected with any other uh, viral infections, if you've had recent travel history, and then they may ask to do some testing on you to see or, or your baby if you have any infections, especially at the start of your pregnancy and just before delivery, they may actually test for hepatitis B, especially if you have signs and symptoms of hepatitis. And now that we know what causes these infections and really what you should do if you find yourself infected, let's talk about the main thing that I think we could all get something out of, and that's prevention. And I believe the old saying is true, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that starts with what we all think of when we think about healthy living, diet and exercise. And if you get those two things right, you have provided a strong foundation for you and your baby to have the best start possible. But in addition to diet and exercise, we do have a few other tips for preventing infections specifically before and during pregnancy. The first is protect yourself from Zika virus. Zika virus has been shown to be passed from you to your baby during pregnancy or at birth and has been known to cause microcephaly, which is a birth defect where a baby's head and brain are smaller than babies of the same age and sex. And it can cause other severe brain defects. So if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant, the recommendation is not to travel to areas where Zika virus is prevalent. If you have to travel to an area with Zika virus, talk to your doctor or health practitioner first and ask for ways to avoid and prevent mosquito bites during the trips, uh, during your trip in order to have the most effective way to keep from getting Zika virus and, and a mosquito bite, which is where Zika virus comes from. The second thing you need to do is wash your hands with soap and water after you use the bathroom, after you touch raw meat, raw eggs, or unwashed vegetables, after you've prepared food and are about to eat, after you've gardened or been gardening or touching dirt or soil, after you handle pets, after you've been around other people who may be sick or infected, after you care for or play with other kids or children, and especially after you change diapers. So the third thing is you really need to reduce contact with saliva and urine from babies and young children. 
There's a common virus called cytomegalovirus, which can cause problems for some babies, including the same that Zika virus does, which is the microcephaly. It can also cause hearing loss. But this virus can be passed to your baby during pregnancy from you if you catch it. So no matter how cute your kids are that are already born or how tempted you may be, don't share food or utensils with your babies or young children when you're pregnant. And for the love of all that is good, wash your hands after changing diapers. Four, you need to avoid unpasteurized milk and cheeses. Don't eat those soft cheeses like feta, brie, or queso fresco, no matter how good they look or how good you know they taste, unless they have labels that say they are pasteurized. Any unpasteurized products can contain harmful bacteria like listeria and toxoplasmosis. Be sure that you're cooking your meat, your poultry, your fish, shellfish, eggs until they are done. Don't eat them if they're undercooked or raw. Be sure to wash all your cooking utensils, dishes, and your hands after you touch that raw meat, chicken, or fish. Fifth, don't touch or change dirty cat litter. Have somebody else do it. If you must change the cat litter yourself or work in garden soil that might have cat poop, be sure to wear gloves and wash your hands afterwards. Dirty cat litter is one of the main culprits for getting a harmful parasite known to result in toxoplasmosis. This infection has been known to cause serious complications for pregnant women and can be passed on to your baby. And while most infected infants don't have symptoms at birth, they can develop serious symptoms later in life, such as blindness or mental disability. Occasionally, infected newborns have serious eye or brain damage at birth. Symptoms for you of toxoplasmosis include muscle pain, fever, and headache, all of which can last for weeks. But many people don't have any symptoms at all which is why it is so imperative that you wash your hands and wear gloves and really don't mess with cat litter at all. But there is some good news because there are some medications that help reduce the severity if you do get infected during pregnancy. And it's also good to know that if you were infected with toxoplasmosis or toxoplasma before becoming pregnant, your baby is most likely protected by your immunity. However, they do suggest to wait at least six months after a recent infection before trying to become pregnant. Sixth, stay away from wild or pet rodent, rodents and their droppings because they carry an extremely harmful virus to your baby. And if you're like most, that shouldn't be all that difficult to do because I don't know why anyone would want to have mice or rats in or around their home. And I certainly don't know why anybody would want a hamster or a guinea pig. But if you do, make sure somebody else cares for it until after your baby arrives. Seven, get tested for STDs, sexually transmitted diseases such as HIV and hepatitis B. Some people that have HIV 
HIV, hepatitis B, or an STD don't feel sick. So knowing if you have one of these diseases is extremely important. And talk to your physician or healthcare provider if you find out you do and find ways to keep your child from becoming sick from those diseases as well and infections. Number eight, avoid people who have an active infection. Stay away from anybody you know who has an infection like chickenpox, the flu, or rubella. Seems like common sense, but believe it or not, not everybody does. Number nine, ask your doctor about group B strep. About one in four women carry this type of bacteria, but don't feel sick. An easy swab test near the end of pregnancy will show if you have this type of bacteria. If you do have group B strep, talk to your healthcare provider about how to protect your baby during labor because they have certain ways of doing that. And the final way is brush and floss your teeth every single day. Get regular dental care during pregnancy. We know that several infections can be caught and treated through good oral hygiene. But just as a reminder, make sure your dentist knows if you're pregnant before getting an x-ray, or better yet, skip the x-ray altogether until after you've already had your baby. Now, these tips hopefully will help prevent you from getting any infection and any harm to both you or your baby. You won't always know if you have an infection, and sometimes you won't feel sick, but that doesn't mean you don't have one. So be sure to get screened in order to limit the exposure for your child. Well, that's it for this episode about prenatal infections. Thanks for joining us. I hope you leave this episode with just a little more informed about ways to to avoid infections and are a little more confident in how you can assure a healthy pregnancy and baby. If you'd like to learn more about prenatal health or other health-related topics, you can go to centurionlabs.com or subscribe to the Frontline Health Podcast. That's all for today's episode of Frontline Health by centurionlabs.com. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, go out today and take ownership of your health, because no one cares more about your health than you. Until next time, take care and stay healthy.